This is Limit Up, the place where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology to take your trading to the next level. Hey, traders, this is Eddie Horn from Top Step, and this is Limit Up. This is where we talk with traders, market participants, and trading psychologists to help you improve your trading. Today, I'm joined with Michael Patak, the Chief Visionary Officer and founder of Top Step. Michael, it is awesome to have you here with us. Eddie, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Now, Michael, this week, we're continuing our blockbuster set of August interviews with... You ready for this? Yeah. You ready? Dr. Brett Steenbarger. Now, I brought you here because I know you love the psychology of trading. I know you followed Dr. Steenbarger online for a while. And let me ask you something. How important is he to the trading world? He's huge. He's huge. I, I consider him the godfather of trading psychology. Hey, it's, I, I like that. That's a pretty yeah. cool nickname, the it's, godfather. It's not bad. Well, it was instrumental for me because I read a lot of his books, and I remember reading Enhancing Trader Performance, and that was just Wow. I was like, okay, okay. Yeah. And there's a lot that you need to work on in trading and a lot of it's upstairs in your mind. It's your thoughts, your emotions and, and, and those feelings that you have and understanding those, recognizing those. Uh, Brett does a, a doctor, uh, uh, Brett Steinbarger does a great job of, of making you aware of that in his books. And uh, I'm really excited about this interview, uh, that you have with him just to learn, uh, and, and see if there's any new ways of looking at things because things have adapted have changed as the world of trading psychology has kind of opened up and, and people are more okay with understanding their thoughts and feelings and what that means to their behaviors as a trader. You know, I'll be honest with you. I was uh, very excited and very nervous. I think I've, I called him um, Dr. Brett, Dr. Steenbarger, <laughs> Brett, and Mr. Steenbarger. So uh, it was awesome just talking with him. I was really impressed with what he's got to say. But before we move any further, I just want to give you a little heads up. All right. Before we start, I want to mention that in this interview, there are just two instances, right? Just two. Okay. Um, let's call it, uh, let's call it colorful language. We left them in. All right. We did not edit them out. Uh, we wanted them in there for effect. And, and I think you'll agree with, uh, with us how, why we left them in there. But I wanted to let everybody know before the interview started, in case you're listening around, uh, small children, or your mom, or the Pope. You, 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 <laughs> sounds like you're. Sounds like you guys recorded on the trading floor then, because anything goes, huh? Anything goes is right. Um, I'm, I'm excited about this. We just didn't want to edit it because it was so pure and it it fit the purpose. Yeah. So yeah. we're gonna go from there. But cool. uh, otherwise, without any further ado, here is my conversation with trading psychologist Dr. Brett Steenbarger. <laughs> Well, it's a complete honor, and I'm going to call it an envy for many to introduce my guest, Brett Steenbarger, uh, author of multiple books on trading psychology, including The Psychology of Trading, Enhancing Trader Performance, The Daily Trading Coach, and Trading Psychology 2.0. He's also worked with prominent traders and hedge fund managers. He also runs Trader Feed blog at uh, traderfeed.blogspot.com, which I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't have bookmarked, you should. And I'd like to say, welcome, Brett. How are you today? Doing well. Thank you very much, Eddie. I appreciate the opportunity to be part of the podcast. This is a, a great 
great time for many traders to be able to uh, listen to Dr. Steenbarger's uh, knowledge, uh, shared knowledge, and what you do say. And, you know, as I was going through a lot of the uh, the blogs and the podcasts and recordings, it the, the bottom line is I can say that it makes complete sense on your approach. And, you know, a lot of uh, educators try to teach what you talk about. Now, if we could... Let's jump right in. Now, you've worked with some right. of the best traders of our time. Uh, what is it about how they approach trading and what makes them great? Well, the successful ones uh, truly do approach trading as a performance activity, just like an Olympic athlete pursues sports as a performance activity or a world-class actress or actor. Uh pursues their craft in a performance manner, the, the successful trader is always working on their game. They're always reviewing performances. They're always learning from performances. They are always working on themselves. And that's a huge part of what makes a performance activity lead us to ultimately to peak performance. The term that's used in the research literature is deliberate practice, where every performance is treated like a practice, where we learn what we did well, where we learn what we didn't do well, and keep setting goals, keep improving what we do. Now, you mentioned performance a few times. And if you sort of go full circle, everything that is taught in the trading business has to do with performance, whether it is uh, discipline, patience, management. You need to be your best at those points. Now, uh, performance is every bit as much about maximizing your strength and minimizing your weaknesses. Now, if we can, uh, let's drill down on that a bit because it's very easy to get self-crucial. Let me ask you, much of trading performance is in being self-aware. How do I know what I do well in trading? It really does take some study. It takes some review. One of the things I've written about on the blog and also in the books is that in any performance activity, the elite performer spends more time working on their performance than actually performing in competition. So if you think about the amount of hours and days spent by a basketball team practicing and the amount of time they spend in an actual game, uh, there's a lot more time spent in working on the game than in actually playing. And the same thing is true when actors and actresses rehearse on stage or musicians rehearse. They spend more time in preparation than they do in performing. Many, 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 many traders spend their time in front of screens trading and relatively little time working on their trading or studying their trading. And as a result, they have a hard time learning what their strengths are. They don't really review their successes. They don't review their mistakes. And so they end up not really 
understanding themselves, and therefore they can't really develop themselves. Yeah, I don't want to say quick fix, but as a trader, trading electronically here, um, what are some of the red flags that we might see or that might warn us, hey, you know what, you've sort of veered off the path a little bit. You need to get yourself back uh, back on the path. Um, what can we at least break down from our trading? And how, how would we break down our trading and find out what are those culprits? Right. Uh, and and I, I think it's a good question. I would just add that I do think it's important to find out what we're doing well, what our strengths are as well, um, so that we're reviewing uh, the positives that we can build on as well as the negatives that we can uh, correct. Uh, one of, yeah, For uh, several different firms, I've been involved in the recruitment process in hiring traders uh, to um, – manage money. And one of the red flags for the recruits is when I hear from them, I really have a passion for trading. When someone tells me that, I basically know that they're fucked. That's a technical psychological term. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, seriously. The real successful ones have a passion for markets. They have a passion for understanding markets. They have a passion for mastery. And trading is the result of that. The ones who have a passion for trading, is, it's like having a passion for playing poker or having a, a passion for playing roulette. Uh, it, it becomes little more than gambling because they don't really have the passion for working on their game. Mm -hmm. no. So here, so here okay. are a few things that – uh, traders uh, will do, they will set up processes both for preparing for the market day and for reviewing their performance on the market day. Preparing for the market day means looking at where opportunity is, what's going on in the world. It's, it's uh, culling ideas, talking with knowledgeable people, and putting that together into some tentative game plan for what you think is moving and how you want to try to exploit that. So there's a whole preparation process that starts before you place that first trade. And some of that preparation process is self-preparation, getting yourself into a peak performance state, both mentally and physically. So many, many traders I work with will work out in the morning before the market opens. They might do some meditation and get themselves in a clear, focused mindset before the market opens. So they're, they're working on themselves as well as preparing for that trading day. And that's all part of a process that's repeatable that becomes a set of positive habit patterns. Now, on the back end, there's the review of the trading day. What did you do well? What could you have done better? How do you want to use that information to set goals 
for the next day. And once you set a goal, how are you going to pursue that goal? What's your plan for putting that goal into action? It's not enough just to say, oh, I'm going to try to do this better. I'll be more disciplined. No, specifically, how will you do that with uh, a number of the day traders I work with at uh, SMB? You might be familiar with them. We, we have a daily report card every single day. They're sending out a report card that goes to the other traders, that goes to their team leaders, that goes to me, that goes to their mentor. So everything's public. Everyone's commenting on everyone's goals, and it really gets people focused on working on their game. Now, Brett, you mentioned passion for trading is not what someone like you wants to hear. Now, a lot of traders I hear say that. And exactly, you know, I mean, it, it I just want to sort of corral everything you said after that regarding, you know, you, you got to have a passion for looking at charts. You got to have a passion for watching that. You got doesn't that all sort of fit into a same category? Like like if I was to say I've got a passion for baseball, I'm a professional baseball player. Baseball is my passion. But you know, I'm a pitcher. I'm working on my curveball, my, my my slider, my fastball. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm sort of trying to cover it with saying baseball is my passion. Is Am I sort of misleading myself when I do say that? <clears throat> no, not, not necessarily. Yeah, um, there, there was a, uh, a well-known basketball coach at Indiana University, Bob Knight. My goodness. And, yeah, Bobby Knight, yeah. And <laughs> uh, I, have, I have a lot of good feelings for Coach Knight. And, um, you know, he said – the will to win, many people have that. Not many people have the will to prepare to win. And I think he is spot on. It's not just the passion to win, to trade. It's the passion to prepare for victory, to work on your game, to work on understanding markets. Uh, that's where the passion lies. It's, it's a process passion. Mm -hmm. Many people have an outcome passion. They want to make money. And yeah, of that's good. Of course you want to make money. But that's what their passion is. And so you know what happens when they don't make money? And certainly we all go through losing streaks. When they don't make money, there goes the passion. And they're not working on themselves. But if you have a passion for understanding markets, you're going to be at it day in, day out. You're going to be looking at it weekends. Um, you know, one of the things I, I also mentioned in my book is that yeah, the great traders, yeah, they are – they're working on – they're looking at markets. They're thinking about markets. They're working on their game when the markets are closed. Other traders, when the markets close, they're not working on anything. They're not really focused on anything. Um, that's the difference. You know, I got to agree with you there because I, I'm – when I get on my soapbox – uh, always talking about making yourself better uh, when the markets are closed. Um, never shortcut, never half-ass, because all you're doing is you're cheating yourself. And I completely agree with that. Now, uh, Brett, you talked about developing a trading process. Now, in a recent blog, you said that we have to pull our egos out of the picture and look at what the market is really doing. Part of that's going to be trading journal. If something that uh, everyone talks about but is harder to do in practice, as you're mentioning practice. Now, what are the core elements to a successful trading journal? 
Yeah, um, there's really two, there are really two issues embedded in what you've just asked me. And so if I could address both of them, because I think they're both really important and I'm glad you pulled them out. The first one is taking ego out of the process. And what I was referring to in the blog is just like a, a psychologist uh, like myself, you, you have to be – to be effective, you have to be a, a great listener. And when people's egos get involved in trading, they want to call the tops. They want to call the bottoms. They've got their view of the market. They're, they're a, a permable. They're a permabear. Yeah, there are a lot of idiots in this world. You know what? Um, so, <laughs> no, seriously, there are a lot of anyway. So, um, but when you're a good listener, you're sitting back and you're seeing what is that stock telling me? What is that market telling me? Uh, readers of my books know that I follow a, a measure on um, the overall market uh, called the NYSE tick. T I C K. It's dollar sign tick on most platforms, and it's literally every moment in the market of how many stocks are up ticking, trading on an uptick, and how many are trading on a down tick. And so every moment you're seeing, are we getting more up ticks down, more down ticks? Are we? It, and that's flowing, and. The market will come down and will start to make a new price low, but there are fewer down ticks. And then all of a sudden it bounces up, and you get some upticks, it comes down, and you can't get the down ticks. And you realize you're listening and you're feeling that action, and you're realizing the sellers can't push it any lower. And at some point you get a good risk reward entry and you say, I think we can go back up into the prior range. And, and there becomes a nice little day trade. Uh, that's the result of listening, taking the ego out of the equation. It's not about your view. It's not about you predicting what the market will do. That's ego stuff. It's you following the market. So that's the first part. All right. Second, and look, they say leave your ego at the door. And uh, yeah, you know, it's not about you. You know, it's you know, it, it's you being attuned to the market. And it's too much mental wear and tear if the ego's involved because then you're, you're feeling great when you're winning and then you get overconfident and then you feel like shit when you're losing and, 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 and then you miss right. opportunities. Oh, and yeah. over time, it just takes too much of a toll. It's, it's, it's not about that. Like I said, it's like being a psychologist. You know, as a psychologist, I'm there to listen to the person I'm meeting with and understand what they're telling me. If, if I make it about me, <laughs> you know, how – how much help am I going to the other person? I mean, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's funny because right. we see how ludicrous it is when we apply it to something like uh, being a psychologist or even being a, a parent or a spouse. Um, but people make that mistake all the time with respect to markets. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, what you just said, you got to be a psychologist. Listen. Um, yeah. It, yeah. No. It, no. So, so you you'd also ask me about journals, journals, trading journals. Now, we, we we talk about them. You know, we we preach use a trading journal. I know here uh, at Top Step Trader, uh, it, in the broadcast, we've got a thing called the Community Journal, where everybody sort of puts in their their good, the bad, and the right. ugly. Um, That's great. Now, why is yeah? Everyone talks about it, but it, it's it's harder to do in practice. What are some of these elements? The core elements to be successful, uh, having a trading journal. 
Yeah, so there, there are two types of trading journal. One is the kind of journal that you keep about yourself, and the other is the trading journal that's actually about your trading, and, and both have their places. Uh, the tr we'll start with the trading journal about the market. Uh, all too often, what people do with trading journals is they will vent you know, everything they did wrong and the mistakes they made, and these people are manipulating the markets. <laughs> it's the algos. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so, but it's a way of venting. There's nothing constructive in that, right? I mean, they're not really working on anything, setting any goals, anything like that. The minimum journal that I talk about in my books is just, just write down two things. What's the one thing you did best today? that you want to make sure you continue doing tomorrow. And what's the one thing you did worst today? What's the biggest mistake you made today that you're going to make a concrete effort to change and improve tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And then how am I going to do that? How am I going to make sure that I do that one best thing again? That's the plan. And how am I going to make sure I correct that one mistake? If you just do that, I mean, that's, that's a small journal, relatively speaking. If you just do that every single day, think of the compounding effect that that has day in, day out, over the course of a month, over the course of a year. You're constantly refining yourself, strengthening your strength, correcting your weaknesses. That has a huge cumulative value. So that that's a trading journal. You're concretely focusing on your trading and what you could be doing better. The journal about yourself is more about monitoring you and making sure that you're in your peak state. So I encourage people to keep a journal not only about their time in trading, but basically about their personal goals for the day, for the week. What are they trying to accomplish? And we set up a structure for that to make sure that they're firing on all cylinders in their personal life. Are they doing things that bring them happiness? Are they doing things that bring them personal fulfillment? Are they doing things that give them energy, that keep them in shape? Are they doing things that build their relationships? These are key areas of emotional well-being, and we can track those, and we can work on those just like we can work on our trading and keep ourselves in a peak emotional and cognitive condition. You know, what you just said there, um, involving your life as a whole – um, for those listening to this podcast, I would suggest that you just rewind and listen again uh, what Dr. Steenbarger just said. That is just so important to make your success in your career a positive one. I mean, it has to do with 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 everything in life. Otherwise, there's always going to be that that gap that that you cannot fill. So. Uh, well said, and uh, on my end, I'm taking that to the bank. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and the broader point is that trading has to fit into your life. Your life can't fit into trading. Um, if your life fits into trading, then the ups and downs in P&L are going to be too much to go through. If you are diversified 
in your life's portfolio. You know, if you have many sources of success, many sources of happiness and fulfillment, then when the trading is not working out, you're not devastated. It's one thing that's not going right that you can improve, but the rest of your life is keeping you energized, keeping you focused. Right. You know, working on the trading floor for uh, you know two decades plus, mm -hmm. um, I saw a lot of that where you know it, people traded. They came to work. To, uh, they came on the trading floor. Uh, it, it really, they didn't belong there. Uh, there was a lot of people that came to the trading floor each and every day where you saw them and you said, you know what, there is a professional. But mm -hmm. you know, the, the professional obviously uh, was one to repeat year after year, uh, you know, profits uh, and good trades and good mannerisms. And then those that traded, you know, that really, in my eyes, were like, you know, boy, you you, you don't belong here. You need to do something else. Yeah. Uh, you know, they would make money here and there, and it would be like a it would be like a a jump every time. Like I mentioned, gaps. There would be just so many gaps, and they would be hanging on for life uh, in that business. Uh -huh. So it was it was a very unhealthy thing. And once again, what you said, uh, you need to sort of. Uh, you need to sort of work both uh, work and family life and your life all together to make sure things do work. Absolutely. And if trading can't work for you for some reason, if it's not your ultimate path in life, then you're going to have a happy life. You're, the trading fits into your happy life. The trading can't make your happy life. Right, right. And you know, a lot of people just don't want to let go of that and uh, and move in a different direction. So it's it's a healthy thing. You want to be healthy in any career that uh, you decide you love. Now, let's talk about the trading psychology 2.0. Now, yes. doctor, this was your latest book. All yes. right. Now, I think this was meant to be an update on your first book. Was it possibly the psychology of trading? Uh, yes, it, it, it really uh, – the newer book, the 2.0, represents a lot of the things that I learned in the course of working with traders in various strategies, various markets. Uh, so it, it was an update, I think, in my understanding, an attempt to broaden out the field because so much of what I was reading in other places about trading psychology – seemed pretty narrow and incomplete. What has changed your thoughts about the market or applied trading psychology over the years? Well, you know, you, you read the traditional books on trading psychology and what they talk about. They talk about how important it is. You, you find your edge and then you have to be disciplined, right? You, you have to, uh, you know, be consistent with your edge and, um, and that success is derived through being emotionally controlled, you know, and not letting your emotions get away from you and being disciplined. And I found that that absolutely was not true. That what would happen was markets would change over time. Mm -hmm. At one point in time, markets are moving with a high degree of momentum or perhaps trend. At other times, <laughs> there's there's an anti-momentum. Things are reversing and things are very choppy. Sometimes things are very volatile. Sometimes things are very narrow. Um, 
and, and different parts of the market lead at different times. What was an edge at one point in time suddenly goes away. And so what I was seeing was that the most successful traders and portfolio managers were the ones who are most flexible, the ones who are most creative in viewing markets and seeing new sources of opportunity. The ones who were super disciplined, that was great as long as their edge continued. But as soon as that edge eroded, they were consistent in doing the things that didn't work. <laughs> and right. that, the, yeah, and, and so, so it, it's like the discipline is necessary but not sufficient. We have to be able to be creative, adaptive. We have to be able to see how things are moving, listen to markets really well, and adapt our trading to what we are seeing and uh, researching. Right. And, you know, now with the electronic trading, we've have, we have so much information in front of us. I wanted to ask you, what's your takeaway on the open outcry versus the electronic trading? Well, you know, and, and that transition's happened for a while. You know, I think the transition now is from small data to big data. Um, and the use of um, uh, computing and uh, mathematical methods, uh, quantitative methods to assist the trading of discretionary traders. So uh, that trend toward hybrid trading uh, has become huge. Uh, if you at any of the places where I work, uh, where I'm involved in hiring, and there, and there are several, uh, if you were to say, if, if a person were to apply for a position as a trader and say, uh, you know, my edge is that I trade these and these uh, chart patterns or indicators, that would be the end of the interview. Um, that that's done that that type of trading. Mm -hmm. uh, what we're seeing is that people who can combine a discretionary, intuitive read and feel for the market with some bigger data analyses of what's going on. Uh, that's where there's particular edge. Uh, and that's a huge change that, it, you know, when I wrote my first book, you know, that was not going on nearly to the same degree. Right. Uh, so, yeah. So it's a great example of uh, the need to adapt as markets change. Now, doctor, let's run through a couple of common pitfalls that many mm -hmm. of us do have here uh, and what you might suggest to the trader as a way to overcome it. One of the things let's start out with over trading. And sometimes, you know, I catch myself over trading and not realizing it. I, you know, I'm caught up in the moment. Uh, I, I see another opportunity over trading. What's your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. Over trading is by definition trading based on our needs rather than on what we are legitimately reading and, and hearing in the markets. And, and so that's one of the reasons uh, so many traders find it helpful to engage in meditation before they trade, where they get themselves calm, they get themselves focused, they become more mindful, and they're in a more receptive state to just follow what the markets are doing rather than get caught up in their own needs. That mindfulness, that self-awareness 
really helps them. The other thing that's very helpful, uh, Mike Bellafiore calls it uh, developing your playbook. You know, just like a football team will have a playbook, yeah, that you have certain plays, certain uh, setups, certain ways of trading that have worked for you, that you have studied, that capture some edge in the marketplace. And when you study and study and study your playbook, that allows you to stick to those plays, to focus on those to mentally rehearse those before you start trading so that you're less likely to trade for random reasons and emotional reasons. All right, let's move on. How about another one? Not sticking to loss limits, limiting yourself, making your own rules and not following them. Yeah, that's one of the deadly ones. Uh, you know, the uh, risk management is so key to success in markets uh, because without sound risk management, we never survive our learning curves. And and so whatever loss limits we set, we really want to set them in stone. And so to journal about those, to rehearse those mentally before we start trading, to size our positions so that we're not going to just automatically hit those limits – very, very important. Uh, one of the things I've written about on the blog is uh, a basic rule that I've had and that I've used with uh, day traders I've worked with, and that is to make sure that you don't lose so much money in the morning that you can't come back in the second half of the day. Make sure that you don't lose so much in one day that you can't come back on the week. And you make sure that you don't lose so much in one week that you can't have a profitable month. In other words, you're thinking about risk management in terms of always giving yourself a reasonable opportunity to battle back. And I found that that keeps people positively, constructively focused uh, and prevents them from digging big holes, both financially and psychologically. Hey, doctor, how about – Overconfidence. We talked about ego, and uh, ego can yes. be a, a big pull for getting overconfident. What's your take on a trader being overconfident? Yeah, it, it's uh, uh, it's an uh, it's, I'm glad you're asking about because it it's an unappreciated risk factor. You know, if we start losing, 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 often we'll pull back from trading and you know pull back our size and and, and be careful. <clears throat> Get, become extra careful about following rules, and that's all good. But when we go on a string of winning trades, it's easy to feel like we have the hot hand, and we start to size our positions larger. We start to talk to ourselves in over-eager ways. Oh, I could make this amount if I just – yeah. and that means that we're not focused on risk management – and when the time comes when we inevitably will have some losing trades as markets change, we're sized so large that we can give up the prior gains relatively quickly. So I work with traders on exercises where they take their emotional temperature. It's the checkup from the neck up. Every so often during the day, you take your temperature and you, you follow your self-talk. And am I chilled or am I running hot? You know, am I calm and focused or am I getting 
upset? Am I getting frustrated and angry? Am I getting overconfident? Again, it's back to that self-awareness so that throughout the day, traders are stepping back, assessing themselves and keeping themselves in the right zone. Doctor, we talk to a lot of traders. You've talked to thousands of traders. I've talked to hundreds of traders. Um, one of the big things that seems to be a real problem is accepting losses. I think that could probably sort of uh, uh, apply to overtrading, not sticking to loss limits, overconfidence. But they cannot accept the loss. Walk away from a day, a losing day. What's your thoughts yes. there? Yeah, I, I think that not only do you want to accept a loss, you want to embrace it because there's a good possibility that in that loss, there's something you could learn from. There's something you could improve. Maybe your read of the market or your read of the particular stock or instrument you're trading, or maybe your read was pretty good, but you didn't trade it very well. Maybe you didn't manage the position very well or size the position very well. But usually with a loss, there's something you can learn from that loss. So the idea is sometimes you win, other times you learn. And you embrace the losses as learning lessons. Those go into your journal. They become goals for the next day. And your losses are there to make you better. That's the idea. And so you can embrace them. You don't have to be threatened by them. You can get better from them. And that's a much more empowering attitude. And it allows you to not go on tilt you know, during those times of frustration when we have a, a string of losing trades. You know, uh, one thing I heard from uh, Hall of Famer, uh, Willie Stargell, played with the Pittsburgh mm -hmm. Pirates. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the questions was, you know, Mr. Stargell, how, you know, how did you hit so many home runs, hit over 500 home runs, Hall of Fame? And he's, they, they asked him what benefited him. And he said, benefits me, helped me hit 500 home runs, was striking out. And they asked Correct. him, they asked him, you know, like, why would that help you? He goes, because when you hit a home run, when you, let's just sort of compare this to trading, when you have a, a winning trade, of course, it's celebrated as you get in and get out. When you get out, you're like, awesome, great trade. Mm -hmm. And you go on to the next thing. But when you have a losing trade, as doctor is talking about, that you dwell on it. You should dwell on it. And that's exactly what he did. When he struck out, he'd go back and sit on the bench and think about it and break it down. So next time, if that situation arises, he can uh, he can take that situation and he can gain on it. He can turn that negative into a positive and benefit for himself. So I've, I've always taken that with me. When that was said, I mean, you know, I heard it. And I'm like, wait a minute. I, okay, <laughs> explain yourself, Mr. Stargell. And yeah. it makes it makes complete sense. Absolutely. At the time, it doesn't feel good. No, you know, we're all you know, people in markets. We're all competitive, but so it doesn't feel good. But quickly, you go into the mindset of, okay, why did I strike out? What could I have done differently next time? I'm going to look for that off-speed pitch. Next time, you know what? There's a tell there that in certain situations, that pitcher he's going to throw his heat. And I'm going to watch for that, and I'm going to lay back. I'm going to be ready for that. Uh, and, and that's learning from the strikeout. You got it. 
Agreed. All right. Well, Dr. Dr. Brett, let me ask you something here. If you could go back in time, let's let's go back in time. I, I bought an I bought a time machine on eBay. All right. Um, <laughs> so I want to invite my my friend, Dr. Brett. Let's go back in time. All right. And I'm going to let you tell yourself one thing when you started out. All right. So we're back in time. What's that one thing you would tell yourself when you started? About trading, you mean? You started about trading. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one thing I would tell myself is that if you're going to approach trading as a career, you're always going to have to be learning. You're always going to have to be developing. And that every edge in the market has a shelf life. And you have to be prepared for that. No edge lasts forever and works perfectly for all time. Different edges appear at different times because there are different market participants at different times and different economic conditions at different times. And so you're always learning. You're always adapting to the next set of edges. That's right. See, we got to make some T-shirts, doctor. They're going to say life evolves. Life evolves and, and this and this too shall pass <laughs> that'll be on the back yeah yeah this too shall pass you know what the things are working now they're not going to be working later on and if you're learning 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 the losses you take now you know the the drawdowns you have those too shall pass and so you learn to not get too high when you're winning and you learn to not get too low when you're drawing down keep the balance i like that keep, keep keep the balance keep learning keep growing keep focused yeah that's that's what i would tell myself my younger self when i was first learning how to trade in the early let's say no no it was a late 1970s <laughs> <laughs> so i'm dating myself but i can tell you what the market was doing in Late 1979, I can tell wow. you what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I studied, I studied, I studied, but I didn't realize, I didn't recognize or appreciate how much markets change and how the edges change. So many people who are who, who are in the market wizard books, I mean, they're great people. They're great. Their accomplishments are great. But if they started trading now, how many of them would now be labeled market wizards? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it, it, things change. Things change. The people who we label, who we would label right today as market wizards, you know, ten years ago, yeah, you know, we weren't talking about them. Yeah, always changing. Right. Exactly. All right. Now, doctor, we're going to close this out with some questions that uh, some of our listeners have asked through our Instagram feed. Great. Right? Great. Good for that. Oh, I'm good. Yeah. Okay. First question is from Jeremy. Jeremy wants to know, what is the best way to detach from markets each day? Uh, it's it's all I think about day and night. Yeah, you know that's the dark side of that whole thing about having a passion for trading. It's a great question, Jeremy. You know, you, you, the one thing I, I've said in a number of uh, forums is that you always have to have something in your life more important to you than trading. If trading is the most important thing and P&L 
is the most important thing. You're going to rise and fall with your equity curve, and that's a vulnerable way to live. And so, uh, you know, having a full life, pursuing relationships, pursuing personal interests, uh, you know, doing things that make you happy and fulfilled, uh, giving back in some way, uh, those are all ways of diversifying your life so that you don't feel so much pressure and devastation if the trading thing isn't working out at a particular point in time. All right. Thank you. Uh, Saurav has a question. Wants to know, doctor, uh, if you have any advice for growing a small trading account. Advice for growing a small trading account. Um, it's a good question, and I would first say realistic expectations. Too many people want to be quote-unquote trading for a living and they start out with a trading account of a couple of thousand dollars. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. You would have to take so much risk with your small capital that eventually, by random chance, you would blow out. It's, uh, it's, it's called risk of ruin in, in the um, risk management research. So what you want to do is have P&L goals that are appropriate for the amount of capital that you are trading and focus on the consistency of your trading, not the absolute dollar P&L. So the two things I look at are, do you have more winning trades than losing trades? And is the average size of your winning trades greater than the average size of your losing trades? If you have those conditions working in your favor, then you're in a position to really grow your success. And if you don't have much in the way of savings to trade your own account, uh, that's when you start thinking about growing an account through a proprietary trading firm or getting funded and so forth. Right. Okay. Uh, Cross has a question, uh, needs some advice. Cross said, I'm impatient with trades and give away a lot of my money. What's the advice you can give to Cross? Yeah, I think it really, really helps to not only focus on the entries, but focus on your position management. Um, the traders I see succeeding, and this is very true right now, the traders I see succeeding um, will get into a position, and then as it goes their way, they're very quick to take some profit off the table and leave some part of the position to a further price target. But those points of taking profit and, and those targets are already identified in advance. So they've been mentally rehearsed. And that's what gets away from the impatience. There's a whole plan. There's a whole scheme around taking profits during the trade, building the uh, cash flow during the trade, and then letting a piece ride if you think we could, let's say, break to a new high or low. Okay. And finally, Ryan. Ryan wants to know uh, what you think the most important characteristic for a trader to possess is. There are a few, and actually at several firms where I've worked, we've done research on what makes traders successful. Uh, certainly uh, persistence, um, uh, diligence. Uh, it, it's 
part of what psychologists call conscientiousness, being detail-oriented, working hard at things. Uh, the person who keeps a journal every day and has goals and plans and really works their game, they're very diligent, they're very conscientious. That's a very important piece. And the second piece I alluded to earlier is open-mindedness, which goes along with creativity, that Traders are open to the possibility that markets can do different things on different days, and they can make those quick adaptations. Uh, a lot of traders go into the market with a preconceived notion of what they think is going to happen, uh, but the successful traders have a high degree of open-mindedness and flexibility, and they really work at that. So, for instance – they might develop plans on the day that say, if the market does this during the opening half hour, then here's how I want to respond. If the market does that, here's how I want to respond. It, you know, and so they create a sort of decision tree in their head that allows them to be flexible. Well, doctor, I really appreciate you being with us today, opening well, up, you. sharing uh, the best advice, I believe, out there for a trader. Now, uh, doctor, is there a way that uh, those listening can contact you online? Yeah, so uh, uh, my blog, the Trader Feed, it's all one word, T-R-A-D-E-R-F-E-E-D dot blogspot dot com. Uh, it, it, uh, if you go to that site, there's a, uh, a link uh, to my email, and uh, people can contact me through the email. I don't work commercially with individual traders and, and that's been a huge advantage for me because I can tell it as I see it. I'm not trying to sell anyone my services. I'm not trying to sell them products. I'm not trying to promote myself. You know, I don't get paid if people read my blog or don't read my blog. You know, I'm trying to help people and, and I love helping people. And if, and if folks have some questions, um, my email address is right there on the blog site and I welcome questions. All right. Dr. Brett Steenbarger, uh, I salute you, my friend. And I well, an, thank you. It was an honor uh, to ask you questions, to talk to you, and to relate to your vision of success uh, with you know with with my vision. And I think everybody listening to this blog should should line it up that way. What you have said and uh, how they are going through their career uh, in trading. So once again, all the best to you, doctor. And uh, I hope maybe down the line, we could maybe get together and, and uh, have a craft beer. All right. Yes. Well, uh, <laughs> yes, I, I host uh, craft beer outings for traders, portfolio managers, and uh, you know, I'll come back and we'll do a, a session uh, that uh, talks about the best craft beers out there, right. <laughs> <laughs> which, which some traders would be more interested in than markets. <laughs> there you go. All right, yeah. doctor, all the okay. best to you. Thanks a lot for your time. Okay. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And thanks to all who uh, are listening. All right, Michael few things that stuck out from this interview, mainly that the traders need to have a passion for the market, not trading, which sort of confused me a little bit. I, I tell you, I, I was gung-ho. You know, I got the passion for trading, but the thing is, when you break it down, it makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah, that was good. Now, he used a little different language for it, but I thought the emphasis was clear. Uh, if, you, if you only want to trade, you will not build the skills it takes to be successful. So you have to want more. Now, 
Mike, what were some of your takeaways from that interview? Big takeaway was like you just said, the passion. You know, everybody does come into this. I have a passion for trading and the the understanding, the the passion to improve, the passion to find yourself as a trader, the passion to understand the markets, the passion for the markets. And in the the trading is just the the, the byproduct and the the action there. Uh, the the performance was another one. Uh, focusing on performance, we are all performers, and we are uh, out there. Uh, we sh- just like athletes uh, practicing and and working on their performance way more than they're actually in the markets or at the in the batting batter's box in the major leagues uh seeing and, and actually performing. Uh so that's something that I really took away and took to heart. Those are big things that I took away the the performance and the passion. Now performance, you know, that's something that a trader can actually forget about. About the performance, thinking that, you know, everything's gonna fall into place. I'll be okay. But the thing is when you fall off the wayside. How do you get back on? You know, you need to perform and you need to control yourself in performance. What other thoughts did you have on this? The the big one, uh, another big one was a journal, just a basic journal oh, that, yeah. that he said yeah. about getting to know yourself and just the recognition of it. Uh, the basic one is, uh, what is the one thing you, you did best today? And what what can you do to continue to making sure you do that tomorrow? And what's the one thing you did worse today? And how do you ensure you correct that tomorrow? And his point about that was, you know, this allows you to strengthen your strengths and correct your weaknesses. Go back to ball players and athletes and and anybody professionalizes themselves in anything. You have to know your know these things that you're weak and strong in. And then you gotta strengthen strengthen your weaknesses the best you can and then and then know the strengths that you have. You could go in sports, you know, I'm really good at uh, at sliders. I'm really bad at curveballs. In trading, I'm really good at uh, sideways range bound days. I, I'm not very good when the market breaks out of it. And and you have to understand yourself and and keep professionalizing uh, uh, your abilities and that the professionalizing your abilities at a, uh, was, uh, you know, the, the, uh, adapt and, and stay open-minded. And that to me says you got to continually, uh, understand and stay aware and, and not just be fixed mind, fixed, fixed in your mindset and say, I got it figured out and I'm going to wait for this. The, this markets are ever changing, ever evolving. Discipline gets you there but you have to also be adaptive and creative to keep your edge in the markets all right creativity is is something i didn't think belonged until i needed it uh, i'm glad you brought that up and uh, the markets are forever changing each trade is forever changing your attitude your mindset is forever changing so i mean it's it's not an easy game. It's not an easy career. But once you can put the leash on it and once you can, uh, I don't want to say master it because, gosh, if you master it, you know what, um, I'll be your pool boy. Uh, but once you get it and, and, you know, I've hit that road, too, where it's like, I get it now. I, I now not on the big picture, but on certain aspects and you start putting those together. And then you're going to walk down that road of success much, much easier. He talks about game. He, he says work on your game. He talks a lot about like you got to be working on your game. And and I always looked at it that, that way, too. I, I looked at this not as like a career. I knew I wanted to be a career, but I, I looked at it as like 
if I can't play professional sports, and I remember uh, they said uh, coming to Chicago and I interviewed at a prop firm, like, if you can't play professional sports, become a trader. And I always loved that because I, I did uh, a lot of sports. And, and I'm like, this is something that's fun. I love it. I have a passion f- uh, for the markets. I have a passion for this game. I want to understand the game. I want to get better at this game. And then, and then whatever the byproduct is, if I'm a starter, if I'm sitting the bench, but I'm still on the team, but you know, just to participate and be a part of it, you know, to each its own and what, where you want to be, but uh, you have to keep working on your game. Another big one, Eddie, we talked about is uh, uh, take the ego out of the process. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, listen with it. Not not to you right now, but like, listen, you know, that was another thing he said. And the markets tell you a lot. And we talk about that too. Uh, Let the markets come to you. You know, let, don't tell what the markets are going to do. That was a big one too. See, if you got that ego, I've heard it so many times, leave your ego at the door. If you bring that ego into your trading day, what it's going to be is you might as well get into the octagon uh, and do some MMA because you're going to be battling, fighting, stressing out, getting your ass handed to you in that trade day. Having the ego, uh, once you once you take that ego out of the equation, it's a much better road to travel. Well, you remember the check, uh, what's it, check up from the neck up? Just even re- I thought that was cool. I thought that was cool. Yeah. I mean, it's just recognizing what you're feeling. You talk, we just talked about ego. Recognizing that you got an ego. You're so, it's got to do this today. Mm-hmm. And, and if you check yourself from the neck up and you get to feeling, what am I feeling? I feel like it's got to go up. Well, why am I feeling that? You know, things like that. And that's what I love about trading psychology. Because you find out so much about yourself, not only as a trader, but as an individual, as you shut off the machine and go walk outside, you, you find out a lot about who you are as an individual and training right. helps you find that that uh that uh flexible be like water you know uh uh ever flowing uh learning and and be, you say it all the time eddie be a sponge and that's something that uh, yeah that's yeah, absorbed and that's something that uh i think uh, i took away a lot from this towards the end of it all right now remember most important characteristics persistence diligence open-mindedness uh, which goes along, like you mentioned before, creativity. That's uh, so very important. Detail-oriented, he said. Yeah. Losses. We talk about losses. And uh, can you accept a loss? If you can't accept a loss, this is a business you should not be in. They're going to make you better. You're going to learn from your losses. And that's going to tie into journaling. Mm-hmm. What you talked about before, it's so important because the thing is, you might, down the road, you might forget about that uh, that $1,500 winning day that turned into a $700 losing day. All right. Uh, That's a big hit. Okay. But if you journal and you remind yourself of the mistakes that you had and you learn from these mistakes, uh, things, you know, I tell you, the skies are going to be much clearer and it's going to be very important about your attitude of trading. Attitude of trading. Love it. I love everything you said. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you being here. All right, traders, as always, thank you for spending time with us. And if you enjoyed this interview, please feel free to leave us a rating or review. It helps us reach new traders. Thanks for spending time with us. We'll see you next week. I'm Eddie Horn. And Mike, take care, and we'll catch you back here again. Eddie, thank you very much. As I always like to say, trade smart, always trade for tomorrow. And thank you for having me on.
Futures and Forex trading contains substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.